Welcome to the Good Doctrine Podcast, where we believe that good doctrine establishes good living. I'm Sean Pasley. And I'm Josh Howard. Um, today is the 22nd episode of Good Doctrine. Yep. Um, 22nd episode. I think we talked about doing something special for like the 30th episode, but 30 is coming up pretty quick. That would put us in like late January or early February. Yeah. Wouldn't it? Yeah. We can do something special for the 25th. 25th episode? Oh, you know what I do want to do? Um, we will do it for the 25th episode. Uh, you know, our Facebook group has been kind of slow recently um, as far as, as far as you know, not much conversation. And we've been slow on it as well. Yeah, we have. Um, but it's I know the holidays. That, yeah, it's something. But uh, what I really thought that we should do, and I haven't asked you about this until now, so brace yourself. We need to do like a question and answer episode, so like a Q&A episode. Um, and you know, a lot of... A lot of pastors and a lot of people, you know, there's like Ask Pastor John. The AMAs. Yeah. Ask me anything. There's like, there's a lot of these like Q&A episodes and there's people who are like far more educated than me at least, um, less educated than you, but like, you know, who have, who have been in ministry much longer than both of us, who have, who are more educated, who have like kind of a wider reach. But I think that it would be good to do that because maybe you just want your pastor's opinion on an issue or you want your pastor's take on a particular issue or... Or to um, know where our church stands on something. Yeah, you want to know where our church church. stands on something. Um, So it's not necessarily like... I mean, you can ask questions about like, so who are the Nephilim? You know, you can, if you want to ask questions like, what does the sons of God mean? Then we can, you know, we can address that. I don't think that we would have any better answers necessarily than any of these other, you know, pastors who have answered that question, you know, a thousand times. But you will be able to see where at least, you know... Two dudes who you know. I really like that idea. Let's do that for the 25th episode. So that'll yeah. be our 25th episode. Um, it'll probably come out in January. And I think we could probably put a caveat in there that if you have like a question about, I think eschatology is just the easiest. Like if you have a question about the end times, we'll put in a little caveat that like, hey, this is Josh's opinion yeah, on yeah. this. Maybe not the if you would like maybe to not know the position what, of the whole church. Yeah, if you would like to know what our opinion on something is, our take on something is, what our church's opinion, anything. Um, except for, you know, I, we always say there's no stupid questions, but you know, there's some, there's some stupid questions. So <laughs> somebody's going to ask about Nephilim, which is, and I'm okay with and that. And we can answer Let's it. Let's go to Genesis six. We, we can answer it. I, I think it would be a good, uh, a good thing to do. So the way you can submit those questions, like we say this every single time, go to our Facebook group. Um, all, if you, if you aren't a member of it, all you have to do is well, you know, ask for these, to join and we'll say for, yes. And for these questions, email might be a good option too. Email if you want to be... If you just don't want to get into a Facebook tiff with somebody, shoot us an email at gooddoctrinepodcast and we can even keep at names. At gmail.com. Or excuse me. Yeah, thank you. Uh, gooddoctrinepodcast at gmail.com. Um, we can even keep names out of it and stuff and just address the issues. And it can kind of be a format like we do at uh, Scripture Matters. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, we have the Scripture Matters conference coming up again. And just a reminder for everybody, that's going to be on March 1st of 2020. Um, so mark your calendars, invite a friend. Um, but March, uh, the Scripture Matters conference, part of the big thing we do there I really enjoyed was just the question and answer format, getting yes. to ask questions that, you know, they may be obvious to some people, but they're certainly never obvious to most people. Yeah. Every question yeah. that got asked, most people in there were listening intently for the answer because right. they wanted to wanted to hear about it. So, so I, I thought that would be a good thing to do on the podcast too, question and answer thing. Um, ask any question you want. If you want to ask, like I said, again, you can ask our opinion. You can ask about some sort of uh, biblical principle. Just anything, uh, we will answer it. I think it would be really helpful. Um, but like I said, you know, I don't think that we have necessarily anything to offer, you know, that other people haven't already offered, but you might just like to hear what we have to say on some things. So. Yeah. And the, and the constant battle of the, you know, since this is a good doctrine podcast, the constant battle of doctrine is every new generation needs to re-engage um, these doctrinal issues and re-express them in the language of the day. So, yeah, you know, point. you could say, well, Baptist already had a confession back in 1644 and then again in 1689. Well, yeah, um, but every generation, the language they used, the issues they were addressing, those things change, but God's Word doesn't change. Right. So, um, yeah, good doctrine for, for today, for 2019, or 2020 nearly. Yep. Good grief. All right, well, what are we, um, what are we going into today? Well, let's jump in. Um, today, let's talk about, uh, what was the title you came up with? If I Only Had a Brain. If I Only Had a Brain. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about the case of the straw man today, um, which is one of my favorite 
favorite logical fallacies, and I'm going to use that term, term a lot, so let me so kind of halfway is, define it. What is, and I, this is something that I use all the time. We, I, I always say, well, we don't want to build a straw man just to knock it down, you know, when we're talking about arguments and stuff. What is, what does that phrase mean? Straw man or yeah. a logical fallacy? Straw man. Well, oh, man, both. I wanted to lead into straw man. Okay, go for it. Let, let, me, start, let, logical me, fallacy. let me start with logical fallacies because it's a bigger term. Okay. So there's logic. Um, if I, uh, you know, drop my computer, it will fall. Well, I guess that's kind of like Ooh, a law of gravity. Your computer was destroyed by facts and logic. Yeah, but there's <laughs> there's logic. You know, if A happens, then B will happen equals C or something like that. Like this leads to that. And there's there's logical. Um, but then there's then there's logical fallacies. So, for example, one of my favorites is um, ice cream affects murder rates. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, I brought this one up. I was a criminal justice guy back in the day. But if you look at if you look at murder rates and ice cream rates, they are they have a direct correlation. They peak in the same areas right. at the same times. Like you can draw a like direct comparison. Um, that's that's logic. Now, a logical fallacy would be to say clearly, ice cream makes people murder each other. Yeah, you know, ice cream leads to murder. Well, that's not the case. The case is there's there, there's this whole dynamic with hot weather. People get outside more often in hot weather. Um, violence tends to spike in hotter uh, climates because of various various factors. So the two things are there, but to relate them as a one to one relationship, that's a logical fallacy. Yeah. Ice cream doesn't make people murder each other. Right. Okay. So. Just to walk you through a couple, th- these are these are three of my favorite logical fallacies that we hit in church so often in church life. Um, one of them is the root fallacy. Um, this is this is more of a preaching point, so if j- just bear with me. But as we preach, everybody has heard somebody say um, the root word of this is X. So you I'm going to give an example. Can I'm I give an use example? A Greek word and the root of it is X. Yeah, go ahead. Good. The dynamite thing, and yeah. we we mentioned okay. this all the time. And it's just it's low hanging fruit. So, um, but everyone always said when Jesus says that I will give you power, mm-hmm. um, exousia. Yeah, I will give you power, and it's like well, the root of it's dunamis, and so that that's where we get our word dynamite. Did and I just so say it's, exousia. You oh, did. I don't know why you said that. So I, don't know either. I think I said yeah. Anyway, edit that out. Yeah. Um, Dunamis. Dunamis, yeah. So the root of, or, you know, the root, it's the the root that, uh, or not root, but it's almost transliterated, you know, uh, dynamite. Right. Um, and so they'll make a preaching point on, like, that's explosive power. And right. that's like, not like, necessary. Like, like Jesus was envisioning dynamite when he said, I'm right. going to give you power. Now, the logical, the, the where the logic would come in is to say, okay, from that word, Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later, yes, they describe dynamite using similar language. So there's a relationship there. But to say that Jesus had in mind dynamite to people in the first century who never knew what dynamite was, that's just a logical fallacy. It, it just doesn't match. Yeah. Um, but that's a root fallacy. Okay. Say, assuming the root word can be used to define the whole rest of it. Um, there's there's different root word families within language, right. words that are related, but it's not it's not correct to say there's a one to one relationship just because they share a same similar root word. They may or may not be the same. And this uh, is meaning. really common in preaching. Oh, super common. Yeah, yeah I'm not bringing this up because like I'm a preaching nerd. Like this is I hear this all the time, and it's something I'm always cautious of as well. Like I don't want to make this mistake. Um, another one's a slippery slope fallacy. And, and a lot of times we're, we're familiar with this in politics. Um, I want to tread lightly because mm. I don't want to ever step on toes when an election season's coming up. But in politics, I think we can safely say every politician uses a slippery slope method. Yeah, yeah. Can I give you an example? Oh, um, okay. So if you don't vote for me, I won't be able to pass these bills. And if I don't pass those bills, then marauders are going to come out in the streets and <laughs> yeah. they're going to pillage and burn and there's going to be dead cats hanging from the trees and everything's <laughs> going to just be destroyed. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a slippery slope. You start off with an actual thing and then you just assume it's going to lead inexorably, just slipping down that slope yeah. until disaster. Right. Which may or may not be true. Yeah. Did I just like steal that whole thing? You didn't even chip in on that one. Well, sorry. I, I'm just. I'm just thinking. Is climate change a political? I know it's a political issue, but like, is it really? Like, should it really be? Because the slippery slope fallacy. I mean, we've been we've been told, you know, I mean, over almost like fifty something years. Like, if this doesn't stop, if we don't stop using fossil fuels within the next ten years, life on planet Earth is gonna be like Mad Max style. Um, mm. And so, like, that's been kind of like 
that's kind of a good example that people might be very familiar with is like the climate change argument is a slippery slope argument. If we don't stop doing this, if we don't stop throwing trash into the ocean, which stop throwing trash in the ocean. Yeah, I was about to say, it's not saying there's not a real danger yeah. and that bad things won't come. It's just like like literally looking down a a 45-degree angle of ice and saying this is going to slide down to the very bottom and yeah. nothing's going to stop it. Yep. Um, slippery slope. Last one I just want to mention is ad hominem. Ad hominem is just a Latin Latin phrase, and it means to attack the person and not the argument. So, yeah. in other words, um, let's just say I really hate. Well, we'll stick with politics since we're on politics. Um, uh, this is this is where it comes out most. Too. It really does. Ad hominem's huge in politics. It happens in in religious circles. Yeah, um, we I've heard this in preaching, but let's just assume we have a state senator who's just a. Well, I don't want to say that because. Somebody might think I'm actually talking well, about Well, just a give a real-world example. Let's say there is a politician okay, well, who is a... Okay, a real-world example. Yeah, no, let's just stay away from real world. Let's just say there is a politician out there who is an absolute scumbag, just a dirt wad, and he's making immoral decisions, he's unethical, he's just on the brink of being indicted. Um, but that guy comes out and says, you know what, guys? Murder's wrong. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> an ad hominem argument would, would be for me to say, guys, murder is not wrong because that guy said it. Yeah. And attack the person instead of he can say something that is true. There can be a true statement. Right. Um without the well, we person behind to, it you being have reflected. to give real world examples. Okay, good. You have to. Right. Because it doesn't matter what you believe, you can recognize that that's actually happening in our in the with the American president or the current president of the United States of America, Donald Trump. You can recognize that because he'll do something that is objectively a good or nice thing. For example, recently in Thanksgiving, he went and he went to Afghanistan and he like served Thanksgiving dinner like to the every, troops. Like a lot yeah, of presidents. Every president sure. does that. There's nothing. So objectively, I mean, obviously he did it for political reasons. Well, I say obviously, probably did it solely for political reasons. But the, the media, I say the media, I, I don't, that's not that's not me. That's not what kind of guy I am. You're really digging a hole here, aren't you, Sean? <laughs> I am, aren't I? No. Um, you see a lot of articles that say, like that th- that will rag on him that because he's done something, and they'll attack the person, and they'll attack him because he's orange and has weird hair, well, the, and does this, and it's like what well, it has nothing to do with what the actual truth of the matter and, is. And the, yeah, that that's that's what we need to because the ad hominem part is. So, for example, it's Donald at a Trump, person. right? So, Donald Trump could say something, whatever it is. Yeah, murder he could is come wrong. out. Yeah, murder is wrong. He could come out and make a speech and say, "Hey, guys, here's what I think." And if the response is, "Well, that's fine and good, but we don't like you," that's just ad hominem. Yeah. They, if, if it attacks the person and not what was said, the argument being made and constructed, it's just ad hominem. Yeah. Um, and this is par for the course, especially in American politics. Nearly everything seems to be ad hominem. Yeah, yeah. Um, people will come out and make stump speeches, and then everybody will commence to throwing mud at the person. Yeah. Um, rather than the argument. Right. And so it's 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 silly. But these are examples of um, now. Are all these from D. A. Carson's book, Exegetical Fallacies? I think I know it, that well, ad the hominem. root the root fallacy is. I'm sure ad hominem is. I don't know if he has slippery slope in there or not. Um, but that's a good resource, you know, to kind of, it kind of, he kind of breaks down. Skip to the end. We got book or book. We'll, we'll do it, but, but, but I just wanted to, okay, we're yeah. not stealing these or we're not, you know, saying like these are some yeah, d- unique things. One thing. of the best books I've read is D.A. Carson's Exegetical Fallacies. I think it's in second edition. Um, skinny little book. It's like 140 pages, which for him, that's miraculous. <laughs> um, most of his books are like eight, 900 pages. Um, but it just, it's just, it's just a lot of the logical fallacies you run into in, um, studying your Bible, and it's not just for pastors. I'm talking for for Christians who study God's Word. It's that's a great read, um, but we'll we'll recommend it again at the end. Yeah. So sorry, I just wanted to bring up that these are these aren't like fancy made up words. Th- these are things that are uh, used in, I-, I guess, academic parlance. You know, when we when we Good night, when Sean. when we uh, we're we're going to evaluate different straw men, and th- and we might be able to kind of lump them into one of these categories. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this isn't just stuff we made up. So uh, I do... We have I, to define straw men, remember. Yeah, we're going to define straw men. I, I'll define it, I suppose. Um, if you think about a straw man, like a scarecrow, it's just a dude made of straw. The idea... In search of a brain, perhaps? Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, the idea, when you say that you're building a straw man or making a straw man or, or arguing against a straw man, the idea is that you are... So it's a logical fallacy. You are creating an argument... 
and you are breaking that down. So like you think about, I know we live in Mississippi, there's no snow, but it snowed a little today. Think about your kids making a snowman, and then he drives his monster truck power wheel through it. He smashes He smashes what he made. Um, and the idea of the straw being it's something easily burned yeah, down. Yeah, it's something easily burned down. You're making something you can easily burn down. It usually entails, if I'm, if I'm correct, straw men usually entail untrue over characterizations of stuff. I think that's the biggest the biggest part of it is that there's like generalizations or stereotypes. It's just an uh, a bad understanding of your of the other person's argument. Yeah. So like like a straw man, if you were building a Baptist straw man, um somebody was arguing against Baptists and they're going to build this Baptist straw man. Yes. Well, uh Baptists like to have you know, we always joke about it. We like to have fellowship meals, potlucks. That's just kind of a Baptist joke. So that's that's all you care about. You is know just what? Eating. You guys just get together and eat and gorge. That's all y'all care about is just food. If that was like a component of their straw or man. all you care about is how many people you dunk underwater. That's right. Or all you care about is, is you know, hellfire and brimstone preaching. It's and- just a bunch of sweaty, you know, <laughs> angry pastors screaming about hell and then wanting to eat potlucks. Yeah, so it's that's it's, a straw man. It comes from stereotyping. It comes from just overgeneralization. And I said before that maybe it comes from not fully understanding the other person's argument. I think sometimes you do understand the person's argument and you understand it so well that you can, you know, kind of create a when straw I, when man. When I think of straw it. men, it seems like there's two different types of people that do it. So, like on the one hand, there's the people that just kind of pedal in straw men. Pedal. Pedal. P-E-D-D-L-E, I think. Yeah, um, yeah so they, they just, they, this is their currency. They just talk in straw men terms. Straw men, good grief, get on social media. All Democrats are this. All Republicans are this. Yeah. All Presbyterians. And people build straw men because guess what? It's it's bombastic. It, it, it you know it makes a lot of fireworks. You can easily burn this down and look you, like you're you a get genius. a lot of amens and yeah. and, and like so there's, emojis. There's that, or and those people emojis. may believe it because if if all you've heard is straw men about the other side of an argument or about a certain group of people, you may believe that I think straw man. That's where it's most dangerous. And so where we want to equip and protect our people is that sometimes. Straw men may be the only thing you've ever been presented with. Um, for example, if every now observe, if the only news channel you watch, if you only watch one news channel, if you only follow one, you know, partisan group on Facebook, and you just absorb and inhale everything that that one side says about every issue then you can be sure that you're not hearing the whole of the argument. I think you could safely say if you follow the major news networks, you can just watch them construct straw men of the other side. Sure. Um, I mean, let me though let me mention let me mention the other person though before I before I sure. before we move past that cuz I like where you're going with that. But there's the first people, there's the people that peddle in straw men, but then there's secondly the people that know better. Oh yeah. And yeah. still construct straw men. Those are the people that anger me. Um, if somebody believes a straw man, they have this conception of another group and they're just I mean, I don't mean this in a wrong, in a bad way, but like they're ignorant of what is truly going on in that other. Yeah, they group. don't know. I, I'm sympathetic. I would like to talk to that person. If you know what somebody else believes and you are mischaracterizing them and building a straw man to make yourself look better, I have no sympathy. That angers me. Yeah, it's just it's not Christian. Yeah, that is not the behavior of a Christian. I can disagree with somebody and still present them. Um, in the way they should be presented and not build up a false misrepresentation just to make myself look better. Yeah. Um, that's just not Christian. I will say that I think that this particular episode and our motivation and our heart behind this particular episode is to equip the people that are more or less ignorant, um, mm. more or less just maybe they have only heard one side. Ignorant maybe, is such a... How about it, uninformed? Uninformed, uninformed, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, the people who are or malinformed because they would be informed on one term. side. They're malinformed yeah. uh, on this per, on any particular issue. Um, we've kind of you know too much. We've brought. I, I think let's let here be the hard break. Let's not mention politics again because I think poli- I didn't even plan on mentioning politics. Well, it was I don't know why. Anyway, because um, it's such an easy one. But politics is inherently. Some people might agree with with this. I, I don't think it's an anti or, or outside of the bounds of Scripture, but that is not what we're trying to address. So let's no. just kind of let's use biblical terminology and, and biblical examples. But yeah. um, you know, we want to we want to equip and guide and lead and help um, the malinformed or the uninformed 
Um, because I, you know, you said it makes you angry when when people who should know better they cr- construct these straw men. I agree. It 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 is a it angers me when I see people who are, you know, much more informed than I am and much more educated than I am. Um, and I've maybe even had conversations with where they presented, you know, they 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 showed me that they understand the full context of an argument, but then they present it, you know, they kind of say from the pulpit or you know from a YouTube channel or on a radio program, and they only present like one side yeah. of the argument. And that's that's where the rubber hits the road for Christians who are listening to this podcast. Who we want to equip people to to engage good doctrine. Um, and you have to be on the lookout for this stuff. Yes, um, this cannot have a place in your thinking. This cannot. This impacts every single Christian because um, there are so many out there. And you mentioned YouTube. I'm thinking of one, yes, quote unquote Christian apologist right now who I know he has been presented with the truth on certain issues because right. I've heard the debates and I've seen him presented with the truth, and yet he will still go on his podcast and on his YouTube channel and build straw men that are untrue, and he knows they're untrue, yeah. but he does it to get clicks. Yeah. Um, that is unchristian behavior, um, and, it, and it angers me. And we have, But we have to be on the lookout for those definitely, things definitely. as Christians. Um, and you mentioned the term apologist or apologetics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's my jam, but uh, come on. I think all of these, all of these, these, these straw men, they come up most often in apologetics. Yeah. Um, in apologetics, it's a transliteration of the Greek, you know, apologios, um, which means defense. And it comes from, you know, 1 Peter 3.15, uh, always be ready to make a defense for the hope that lies within you. Um, you know, Peter's encouraging Christians. Um, Vody Bauckham says it, and uh, he's, he says, uh, and I say this too when I teach, but, you know, you know why you know what you know. Right. So it, it's not the idea that you know everything about everything, and you know everyone's worldview, including your own. Know the Bible. Yep. Know why you know what you know. Yep. Um, but a lot of these come up in a apo- a lot of these that we're about to talk about come up in apologetic conversations, um, where someone will accuse uh, a Christian and say, "Well, you just believe this," and then bam, it's an apologetic conversation. Yep. You just believe women should do this. You just believe that gays are this. Ah, you just believe on. that people are this, and then a lot of these a lot of these will come up. And then that 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 sparks an apologetic conversation because you have to make a defense. Um, and so, go ahead. Yeah, let me grab that one. I'm glad you said women. Yeah. Um, so, just to give some examples of this and get our minds going on it. So, this is some straw man fodder. Um, there, there's a current debate, and most people aren't going to probably know these terms. Well, maybe they do. I, I don't think these terms are, are widely known. But the the terms are complementarianism versus egalitarianism. Um, and with with all these things, there's a lot of shades in between. But uh, but ultimately, what 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 those two terms are referring to is what is the role of women in the Christian church? Right. I guess you could say the role of men and women. Yeah, yeah. Um, what are the gender roles in the Christian church? So, for example, can a woman be a preacher? Um, what does preaching entail? Can a woman teach in the church? Um, you know, all the differing roles, and, and that relates to what is the role of men and women in the home? Yeah, what think, are the biblical instructions about those things? Um, all of those things are, are kind of wrapped up in that. So there's a current debate on that within Christian circles. Um, if you read anybody, and this is this is hot right now. Yeah, um, so with, hot right now. It's so hot, wow. Um, so with, with, with Beth Moore um, and with some of the other things going on, this is big in Southern Baptist life right now. Um, there is a lot of straw man building. In fact, way more straw man building than I wish was 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 happening in Christian circles. But people will build up a straw man of of the other side and then tear it down. So let me just give you an example. So let's say you are a complementarian, which means that you believe that God has differing roles for men and women in his church, that they are created equally in his image, that they complement one another in their giftings, um, but that they have differing roles yeah. um, within within That's God's good, within good God's structure. Um, that was that was an on the fly definition. So there's probably more we could say. But um, if you believe in that, you're a complementarian. If I can give you a label. Uh, what is usually the straw man that's usually built about that side is, well, you hate women. You yeah. want to subjugate women. You just want a woman in the kitchen, barefoot, cooking 
cooking chicken soup, you know, with a baby on her hip. You hate women in the church. <laughs> cooking chicken soup. I'm with trying a, to draw up like the. You know what I mean? But it's it's this it's this like archaic caveman. Yeah, like yeah. you must just hate women. Yeah, you you want to you want to set back social progress fifty yeah. hundred years. That's a straw man. Yeah. Now, are there people out there who probably do have misogynistic or sexist views? Sure, sure. they're out there. I'm sure, but. 99% of the people who are making complementarian arguments in Christian circles, they're not trying to subjugate women. No, um, they're, the they're, argument they're making is far more nuanced, far more biblical, far more balanced. So this is, this, is, this is where the straw man thing comes in. If you were to present their argument and say, hey, look, guys, I don't agree with them, but this is what complementarians believe. They believe there's differing roles for men and women. They believe women shouldn't be preachers, for example, is just one of the many factors. Um I disagree with them, and let me tell you why. That's yeah. the way you should do it. That's an effective argument. Say what they actually are saying, s- present their viewpoint accurately, and then present yours and counter it. Yeah. Um, it is, again, unhelpful. It's unbiblical. You're not accomplishing anything either. If you build a straw man is... and burn it down, you have gained nothing because you haven't addressed their actual point or position. Yeah, I think this is one of the... Um... And of course, I forgot the passage because it just came up. But um, you know, is it in Titus or in Second Timothy? Don't let them argue about um, you know have worthless arguments, dissensions. You know that only ruin the hearers. What passage is that from? It's one of the pastoral epistles. But this is one of those straw men arguments ruin the hearers or Titus three nine. Titus three nine. Can you read the passage for me? Yeah, Titus three nine is uh, avoid. Foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. Okay, so... Foolish controversies. Yeah, yeah. These are... Now, a straw man argument is a foolish controversy. That is a foolish thing to do. It's a foolish thing to engage in. Because let's say you're watching a debate between two... Pre- and this, no, no politics. You're watching a debate. Uh, it's or so easy between you know. Here's a Muslim scholar, and here's a an atheist scholar, and here's a Christian scholar, and you're watching a debate. And the Christian says, "Well, all Muslims just do this," and the Muslim says, "Well, all Christians just do this," and then the atheist says, "Well, both you know, all deists just do this." And then there's it, that is unhelpful. And I will give you an example of where I think an, an incredibly unhelpful debate. Don't you shake your finger at me, Sean? No one else can see me shaking my finger. Um, <laughs> The Bill Nye and Ken Ham debate that I watched, it was like 10, no, 5, no, 10 years ago. I don't oh, know how yeah. It was a long time ago, and everyone was going crazy over it because, look, Bill Nye the science guy is going toe-to-toe with Ken Ham, who's building his ark in Kentucky, and everyone was, you know, losing their minds over it. That was the worst debate I've ever seen. Nothing happened. They just attacked straw men for like two hours. Yeah. Um, if you want to see a bad example of how a Christian can talk to a— Now, Ken Ham, if you're listening, I still want to come visit you and your— Lovely yeah, you still need to go boat. visit that ark. <laughs> but, it was amazing. Um, it, it was a terrible example to me of how a Christian that should... That particular debate. It was a terrible example of apologetics. It was all straw men. But um, we're going to assume in, in, in our... In our um, when we're talking about these different things, because I, I do want to talk about the egalitarian, like what, what complementarians can say about egalitarians, all these arguments, all these, these things that we're going to talk about, we're going to assume that our made-up people are wanting to express what they believe the Bible actually says. Mm-hmm. So we we are not going to build the straw man of, well, this person just doesn't love the Bible, right. because I do not think that is true. I, we, and, and we're, I think with most of these issues, we've got four we were going to talk about today, of these okay. little, little straw men thing. Okay. And I know people on both sides of all four of these yeah. who I honestly think know the Lord and want to follow him. So... Um, I mean, I guess you could say, yeah, a kind of in-house debate um, yeah, right. among those who are believing the Bible. So to, to move past complementarianism and egalitarianism, um, this is another one. And we, man, we might just, we might find one of these because, like you said, we could talk about what egalitarians, like some of the straw men on that side. Well, let me, let me just real briefly. Egalitarians might look, well, you said what egalitarians might look at complementarianisms and say, or isms and say uh 
Do they just want, you know, the woman, yeah, whatever. Uh, they just want their women barefoot and pregnant, you know, cooking, mm. cooking chicken soup for some reason. Yep. Um, but we can look at egalitarians and say, well, they're just a bunch of shoulder pad feminists and, you know, they're just burning their bras and they just want to take the power from the men. You know, we can look at that and we can just say it's just a, it's just women wanting authority over men. And they would not say that. They would say this is what we, we believe that God has made all all people equal. E- you know, egalitarianism means equality. Yeah. We believe that God has made all people equal, and there's equal roles. The straw man comes in like, oh, this is a nuanced. It is. Thing. It is. Let me let me say this, and then we'll move on. And I'm going to try to say this real carefully. There there there's a prominent evangelical pastor who would say that the egalitarian movement, um, that of wanting women pastors, stems from a feminist. Um, Stems from the rebellion of Genesis three, where right. it says that the that the woman will um, desire her man or desire her man's authority. Right. Um, you can make that argument and say this is why I believe egalitarianism is wrong. That's good and proper for him to do yes. because he's he's if he shows the other side, um, shows why he thinks that side is wrong and presents his argument. Good argument. Yes. A straw man would be to say, you know what? Every egalitarian, like you said, is a bra-burning feminist and wants to just, you know, wants men in a cage and all this yeah. sort of stuff. If you were to build that straw man and then make the argument, you've still messed up because you've built a straw man. Yeah. So we're not saying that the argument, um, the argument's the argument. The straw man is what does the other side believe? Right. Um, this is about representing that might be an your example. opponent. That might be an example on the complementarian side you know, against egalitarians of ad hominem fallacy. Like you're just like this, this because, and you just want this because you're like this. And so, um, yeah. Okay. Let's move on on to my second, my second favorite one. Um, When you look at what is the role of Israel versus the church, um, the primary camps about Israel's role and the church's role um, typically, people group them into dispensational theology and covenant theology. Yes. And again, there's a whole host in between. There's progressive dispensationalism and progressive covenantalism, and there's new covenant theology and yeah, all these sorts of things. But specifically today, just the specifically straw today, man. just the straw man. Um, if you are a dispensational, you believe that God's program for Israel is distinct and different than God's program for the church. Yes. You believe there's a hard break or distinction difference between those two camps. Um, you could build a straw man of the other argument, and this is this is the term I've often heard: replacement theology. Yeah, yeah. You just think that God hates Israel, that He's replaced them with the church, that He no longer cares for Jewish people, and all these sort of things. That's an that 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 is a straw man of the other side. Yeah. There's a more nuanced argument that's happening on the covenant theology side. Now, on the other hand, if you're on the covenant theology side and you're looking at the dispensationals, you just want to be a Jew. You just love Israel. You want us you, back in a tabernacle. Yeah. And you think that nothing changed from you know the Pentateuch and you know et cetera, et cetera. Um, there is a very real and a very rich theological argument about what the role is between Israel and the church. Yeah. Um, to build a straw man, though, and the only reason I brought this one up, because really I think a lot of people might be scratching their heads when we even bring this up because they haven't considered these things. Maybe. Maybe not. Here's, I, but, I, well, let me say this. The, in, in academic circles, this is where I've heard the most straw men. Yes. By far is right here on this one. What is the role of Israel? What is the role of the church? And people will sling mud at each other and miss the actual arguments half the time. Okay. Um, sorry. Good. What were you saying, though? No, no, no. That's good. I just disagree with you because I have heard this most Ooh, from the pulpit. I've heard the most straw men come from the pulpit. Ooh, um, okay. Not and but <clears throat> once again, you are in you are in a different academic you know stage of life than I am. So I don't I actually don't say stage of life. You are that term just. <laughs> Creeps me out. Um, season? No, not season of life. Christianese. Anyway, you are um, graying at the temples. And okay, I'll no, take that. Yeah. Uh, no, I've heard this most from the pulpit. I've and and I think the reason why people might be scratching their heads is because this is one of those things that gets preached as a straw man, mm-hmm. and it gets preached. And and I'm not going to say from which camp, but um, I. Every time I've heard it, it's just been preached like... If you don't believe this... If you don't believe this... You don't believe your Bible. Exactly. So that's the point, though, and that's where the nuance comes in, is both sides are reading the same Bible, and they and they believe differently about the role of Israel in this Bible. You know why, why straw men are popular is because they're easy. 
Yes. Um, yes. So, so we would look at this, for example, let's just take this one and then we'll move on. But dispensationalism versus covenant theology. I have a conviction and belief that the Bible is clear on yeah. this. I do not think there is just a muddled gray area. I don't think that every view on this is correct. I think the Bible does lead us toward conclusions on this. Um, it is hard for me to preach in such a way that I recognize that there are good Bible-believing Christians on both sides of this camp, that there's nuances in the argument, and yet I believe there is a truth we can be led to. That would take a little bit of time in my sermon or in my lesson or, or even conversation. It takes a little more thought. It takes a little more um, care. Yes. It's a lot easier for me to be like, you know what? This is what I believe, and if you don't believe that, you just don't believe in the Bible, and then just let it be. It, that's an easy, easy thing to say, and it's also yes. a straw man, and it's not helpful, and it's unbiblical. I think it, it comes from one of those, one of those uh, those fun expressions that I kind of agree with, mostly I disagree with, but you know, the, I, and we've mentioned it before about the Greek underwear. You know, do your research. You know, know your Greek, but just have it on underneath. You know, no one needs to see it. So when you're preaching, you don't need to talk about the Greek necessarily, um, or the Hebrew or the Aramaic or whatever um, text you're in. You don't need to talk about it necessarily, but just know it. And I I think this kind of, you can you can equip your, or, or, or ill-equip your congregation if you don't. This sounds weird. Someone's going to take a sound bite and say, because I was going to say, if you don't show them your underwear, but... <laughs> Some can... guy from Greece is going to start listening to this podcast, and we're just going to say Greek underwear and not define it, and he's going to be so confused. Yeah, yeah. Okay, anyway, but yeah, if you don't if you don't show them a little bit behind the curtain, maybe... Yes. Um, how you got to where you, how you got, got to where you got to because if you're saying if you're saying that the end of the world is coming in 2021 because of the promises in Daniel Ooh, uh, can I give an example yeah. I'm preach I'm planning to preach on uh, Matthew 24 in 2 weeks I have been dwelling on that passage for the last month mm-hmm. um, I've been pouring over notes I've been going through lexical st- I've been touching on stuff that I will never bring up in my sermon right right, right. Um, every good pastor who does good sermon prep is doing that you build a mountain yeah. and then you preach a small hill um that's again. That's what a good pastor. It's the does. image of the the iceberg is you know like ten times bigger under the exactly. water than it is. Yeah. Um, what you're saying though, I think is valid. Sometimes you need to give people just a glance of like, hey, I'm not just saying this stuff. I, I, I didn't just like pull this out of nowhere. I I, I got that's here where from the somewhere. straw man comes in is because someone for twenty years is sitting under a pastor who is saying the Bible says X, and then they go out and they hear another guy say, well, the Bible. I believe the Bible says Y, and then. Because the only biblical truth they've heard, you know, the biblical presentation they've heard, the only biblical presentation they've ever been exposed to, you know, by this one man um, is one side of the argument. Then they could say, well, that guy, I'm not coming back to this church because that guy's a heretic or that guy's, you know, doesn't believe his Bible. And that's not always the full story. It's because maybe the pastor didn't do an efficient job preparing the sheep. Yeah. So let's move on from... Let's, let's build up or let, let's touch on a, uh, a touchy one. Okay. Um, Roman Catholicism versus Protestantism. Okay. Um, if you were to look at Roman Catholicism versus Protestantism and especially the Reformed strands of Protestant faith, yeah. Um, it is there are some stark, meaningful differences. Of course. Um, differences that are way more. I don't want to say way more pressing, but way more serious than, for example, dispensationalism and covenant theology. Yeah. Um, it, you could disagree on dispensationalism and covenant theology and still agree on salvation. Oh, um, yeah, when yeah. we get to Roman Catholicism and Protestantism, you're talking about how is man saved? Um, how has God revealed himself? What is grace? What is faith? Like These are foundations yes. of the Christian faith. That being said, you can also construct a straw man, and this has happened. I mean, think of think of the Reformation, for example. Um, you can read men in the Reformation who walked through such great, nuanced, biblical arguments about, let's just take grace, for example. What is grace? What does it mean that God's unmerited favor is bestowed on people? Um, why is the Roman Catholic doctrine wrong and lacking when they talk about grace? And what does the Bible say about grace? That's a good argument. However, if you were just to say, well, you know what? The Pope is a Satan worshiper, and they just want to worship demons, and yeah. they, they want to just bring <clears throat> in, they, they do. You can construct a straw man, and the, 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 the crux of this whole thing is you've then missed, you've lost your footing. 
Yeah, yeah. Your whole argument then, like, it doesn't mean well, anything. Well, who listens? Who? What Roman Catholic would listen to you after you're like, well, uh, Pope Francis is the Antichrist? Oh, okay. You know that. Well, jerk. And, and Sean, no, that's why I think. That's why, as Christians, like, why do we care about straw men? You should care about straw men because if you came to me and on any given issue, just pick an issue in your head that you disagree with me on, you came to me and you present a straw man of my argument, I'm not listening to you anymore. Yeah. All I'm doing is coming up with my defenses of, that's not what I believe, this is what I believe. Yeah, yeah. All I do is get on the defensive and I'm angry and I'm trying to present my point. Whereas if you came to me and said, Josh, look, I know you think this, I see where you got there, but brother, let me show you why I don't agree with you. I want to listen to you at that point. Yeah. Um, we miss, we waste our time, and we really, we, we do God's word injustice when we build those straw men. So like, but I, I think that you did, and you said it in an angry voice. But I think that was probably the probably the most effective way to combat straw men is that's not what I believe. Let me tell you what I do believe. Mm-hmm. And I've had to do that several times with you know when when someone who doesn't believe um, that Jesus is Lord, they're not a Christian, they don't believe the God of the Bible or believe in the God of the Bible. I've had to present them and say, well, that's not quite what I believe. Let me tell you the gospel. Let me share share the gospel with you. Let me tell you what I believe, how men and women are supposed to be saved. I've had to do that. And so I think that is the effective way to do it rather than just, because then that can get into an ad hominem argument real quick with, well, Pope Francis is just the Antichrist. Well, you're an idiot and you just, you know, and then it's just like dissolves, you know, right. and it's... Truth is not found. Um God's not honored. Yeah. All those things. Yeah. So let, now we didn't really talk about the, the Roman Catholic and the Oh, well, the Roman Catholic view of the Protestants. Mm. Um, good grief. Uh, when they attacked Martin Luther, and a lot of this would probably be an ad hominem argument too, but all you guys want to do is just be a bunch of just lawless drunks out there inventing your own theories about God's word. There's no structure. You have yeah. no... Yeah. It, and Protestants would say the straw Catholics, men were on both sides. Yeah, the Protestants would say to the Catholics that um, you just worship men, you you know uh, venerate, you know, like with the the veneration of the saints and stuff like that. You just worship Mary, and it's just the uh, where where a Roman Catholic would have a much more, and we keep using the word nuance, but a much more subtle and a much more um, complicated understanding of what their actual beliefs are. Yeah. And so maybe 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 sometimes there's truth in straw men, but never straw men are they never have bones, right? There's never the full story in a, 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 a generalized argument. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, is that good? I, I think it's good. Okay, um, now let's do this one. We we got to do it. It's gonna be fun. Hang on, let me, let me get adjusted in my seat. Deep breathing. Buckle buckle up. Okay, you want me to just start? Okay, Calvinism and Arminianism. Um, most people listening will have heard of the expression Calvinism or or when someone is a Calvinist. Uh, I doubt that most people listening would have heard of the term Arminian. Um, some people might say, well, Calvinists and real Christians. Mm. So we have a whole podcast episode where, and the whole time we were trying not to build straw men for either side, we were trying to present what this side, this this camp, these people say that they believe. And I say side, it's not it's not like that, but what these what a Calvinist says they they adhere to and they believe versus what an Arminian says they adhere to and believe. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about straw men, what are the most common objections or common complaints or 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 um, arguments made for and against these two different camps? Who do you want to be? Do you want to be the Arminian making the straw man for the Calvinist or the Calvinist making the straw man for the Arminian? I'll be the Calvinist making the straw man for the Arminian. Okay, so here I am as the Arminian. So the objections, the straw man I hear built against Calvinism, um, oh my word, um, Calvinists don't want to evangelize is probably the number one. Um, Calvinists just don't want to share the gospel. They want to just sit inside their churches and bar the doors and not let people in. Um, Calvinists teach that there's a that they, that there's an evil God who won't let people into heaven who are trying to repent. Um, Calvinists worship uh, John Calvin. Yeah, they worship John Calvin. They just want to follow a man and not the Bible. Um, man, I'm, I, I could keep going, but those are probably the three main ones. Um, I, th- I think, and I think they're the most so. effective ones. All three of those things, I can confidently say, I have never met that Calvinist. I have met a oh, lot of point. Calvinists. 
We have worked with a lot of Calvinists. There's a lot of Calvinists right now on the mission field who would think it was very odd for people to say that they don't evangelize. Yeah. Um, the history of the Baptist faith would be very surprised that missionaries aren't Calvinists because historically most have been. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also, I mean, every every one of those three things we just presented, I do not know a Calvinist that believes those things. So for you to present as an Arminian, an argument against Calvinism, you could present, hey, this is what Calvinists believe. They believe in um, a specific atonement from the cross, and I just don't agree with that. They believe in an effectual calling, that when God calls, people actually respond. I just don't agree with that in the Bible. You could present those things and build an argument. A lot of Calvinists believe that the straw man arguments that um, people make against Calvinism— a lot of Calvinists believe that those straw man arguments are rooted in a misunderstanding of the five doctrines of grace or the five points of Calvinism, which you know we kind of talked about or commonly referred to as tulip. So they'll take like the T or the U or the L or the I, the P, and they'll they'll rail against that. But it's a they'll rail against kind of their own made up understanding of what that doctrine of grace means. Yeah. And so I think that's a lot of times the the apologetic, so to speak, for Calvinism, always is railing against that or rebutting against well, that. And let me give you just this one example because it's one that so irks me. Um, so, Reformed soteriology or Calvinist theology or however you want to you know phrase that um, would teach about God that God has extended an offer that any who truly repent and believe. He will save every one. Um, that those who are not saved and because do that's not what repent, the Bible says. Yeah, that those who are not saved and do not repent are obstinately shaking their fist against their Creator. Right, they are refusing God because of their recalcitrance. That they are dead in their trespasses and sins. They don't want God. Right, um, and that they will die in their sins. Now, that's what they. Every Calvinist author I've ever read teaches that clearly. Um, Every Arminian apologist I've ever heard will characterize Calvinists as that there are people who are clawing at the door of heaven, pleading and begging and saying, God, let me in, let me be saved. And this cold, callous God is saying, no, I'm the God of Calvinism. You can't come in. That is, it makes me mad because you you are knowingly misrepresenting something that could be a biblical discussion, you are instead mischaracterizing, you're slandering, and you're not doing anything that honors God in that argument. Yeah. Throw that in the trash. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. If I, I hear like if I hear another apologist get on there and say that they're you know, that people are clawing at the door of heaven, it's nowhere in the Bible and it's definitely nowhere in any any literature that I've ever read. No one's arguing that. Throw it away. Yeah. Quit it. Yeah. Um and there is definitely a couple of guys in particular. One guy in particular that's that's um, it's not someone that we know personally, but someone who has a public face. So if you would like to know what we're talking about, you know, you can talk to us in person or just message us, or we can post a link on our um, Facebook page. But as far as you know, the broader reach of this podcast, just know that we have someone in mind um, who makes these straw man arguments, and it is it is frustrating because he has a wide reach and he's not. Well, the thing, he's not speaking the truth. Yeah, and the thing is, it, it builds a following. So when yes, you get yes, on there yes. and you start railing against these things, it is very easy to whip people into a frenzy and to get people following you. Um, my question for that brother, if he is a brother in Christ, is is that what God has led us to do in Scripture, is to whip people into a frenzy over untruths so that we can be elevated? Yeah. That's not biblical. Yeah. Now, if I could, and I don't think that I'll probably do it justice, and there's please you know, contact us if I'm not— the Arminian um, or the straw man, straw men that Calvinism make against Arminians that I have been privy to, that I have seen, are mostly shots at like, well, you just don't read your Bible, you just don't understand, you're uneducated, you're foolish, you're, um, uh, or you know, kind of be. It can devolve into an ad hominem argument. You know, when it's in like you're you're uneducated, you don't know anything. You know, podunk hillbilly kind of thing, uh, aimed at Arminians. Also, uh, the Arminian theology tends to have a, a, a greater place in more charismatic circles, I would say. And so a lot of Reformed people 
will point at like that, like you just go on feeling and not off of truth. Mm. And so you're led by your feelings. That's like you don't want to accept, you know, the five doctrines of grace, the five points of Calvinism, because it doesn't feel right. It doesn't seem nice. Like, uh, but you're just you're just fooling yourself. Mm. Um, help me if I'm missing any, because because I think that one of the the biggest argument I've heard against that is just like, well, you just don't read your Bible. Yeah. And um, if if there's anything that I've heard from a Calvinist that is really off-putting, really kind of like raises my hackles, is when people are like, well, Calvinism is just what the Bible says. And, you know, if you believe that, which if you're a Calvinist, which we've talked about this in our Calvinism episode, so I'll just keep using that term. If you're a Calvinist, you believe that the doctrines of grace, the five points of Calvinism, are just a summary of scriptural doctrine. It's just, it's not like we, Calvinists say that they follow um, John Calvin or that Arminians say they follow, is it Jacobus? Jacobus? Yeah. Arminius. Um, we're not saying that we follow any one man, you know, on either side. We're saying that we believe that these are summary of biblical truths. So the only, the, the biggest hackle-raising argument I've heard from both sides is, well, you're just not reading the Bible. Mm. You, just, you, 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 you just don't know what the Bible says. But both arguments are saying, I'm reading and I'm studying and I'm, I'm, I'm loving God's Word and I love the Lord and I'm trying to understand Him better. Yeah. So I think that's a, that is a straw man that the Reformed and, camp throws a lot at the Ar- Arminians. And I think are. it's an important point that with, with all of these, and especially with straw men and logical fallacies and all this sort of stuff, um, if your argument is not coming from Scripture, it is a bad argument, and you should probably abandon it Yeah. So, with these things. Like, for example, if you find yourself saying, God can't do that, or God wouldn't do that, yeah, or right. that doesn't make sense, you need to, you need to. I mean, just and this is just kind of a, you know, self-analysis type thing. If you hear yourself using those words, go ahead and tuck that away, and then go home, and if the Bible says it, adjust your thinking to what the Bible says. Right. You know, it doesn't matter what you think God may or may not do or who he is or isn't. It matters who he says he is and what he says he's doing. Exactly. Our our responsibility as Christians, and um, we're all in different places. We're all in different seasons or stages of life. Oh, I'm going to punch um, you. We're, we're all in different levels of our, our, our places in our, our, our journey on sanctification. There are people who are um, much younger than me and much more wise and, and have been Christians longer than me. But... All of our responsibility, our responsibilities, we seek the scriptures. We seek God in the scriptures. We learn to um, study the scriptures well, and then we align our understanding and we align our lives based around what God has said, not what we feel like God should be saying here or what I want God to say, but what has the Lord said in His Word, and then we uh, adhere to that. We adjust and align our lives to that. Yep. And that is a process. That's a because some of the things that the Lord says in his word are hard. Some a lot of the things that the salvation is hard. Yeah. Um just the 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 fact that, you know, anyway, there's a lot to to buck against in scripture because of our sinful flesh, but our job uh, as Christians is to align ourselves with what the Bible says. And uh and in all of these cases when we kind of, you know, Josh used the term in-house um, these are Christians who are disagreeing about various aspects of Christianity, for the most part. Um, these are Christians who who uh, argue about various aspects of Christianity, and I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they are reading and loving and learning from their Bibles, and they say that they are convicted by the Lord that this is the truth. If that is so, please, please, when you present your argument, please try to avoid any of these logical fallacies Please try to avoid building straw men for the other side because you can, if you know why you know what you know and you know why you believe what you believe, you can present a good and godly argument and have good and godly discussions um, and defend the faith. Is that fair? Yeah, I like it. Okay, I didn't mean to go off on a ramble. No, preach. Uh, That definitely was bad preaching then. Um, Is there anything else that we want to address when we're talking about Straw man. Um, There's four issues. I don't think we really got into the nuance, you know, especially on the Calvinism and Ar- versus Arminianism, because we talked a whole lot about that one in you know its own podcast. If you want to to hear more, just ask us questions or whatever. We did. Uh, I would venture to say, and I'm, I may 
you know, if, if, if as always, if you guys have thoughts on this, please shoot me an email. We'd love to talk more about these issues. But um, in in my experience, the straw men on the Calvinism Arminianism um, is predominantly one sided. Um, there's a lot of stuff on YouTube and on the internet um, telling you why Calvinists hate evangelism and think that God's evil. There's a lot of that. Um, all, all I would suggest for people to do is go to the Bible. Um, check your sources. Everything that is on Facebook is not helpful or godly. Um, everything that we see reposted on Facebook does not glorify God, and it does not uh, reflect what people are saying about his word. So just remember, in the Christian walk, a lot of what we do is be careful. Um, a lot of my Christian walk is being careful with what I say, being careful with what I do, being careful with what I think, um, guarding my heart, because there is a lot of untruth and a lot of unhelpful things in this world, and we don't want to become embroiled in them. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, if you have any questions, please contact us. We'll, I'll, I'll plug those, those spots again at the very end. But uh, we mentioned D.A. Carson's book, Exegetical Fallacies, which— um, the book is about like when scripture reading, you know, when you're reading your Bible, the things that we can kind of, uh, the fallacies, the logical fallacies that we can kind of put in place when we're reading our Bibles. But it helps, you know, in understanding just apologetics and and understanding um, just arguments in general. And when I say arguments, disagreements, I don't know. Arguments has a negative connotation, but mm. you are going to argue with someone in, the, in your lifetime, so or debates in general. I would plug again, and I think I've done this a hundred times. Um, I'm not a fanboy or anything. I just think he has a lot of good stuff eh, to say. Kind of a fanboy. No, go ahead. I, I think he has a lot of good stuff to to, to say about apologetics, and I think this is one of those instances where his his viewpoint helps a whole lot because. Vody Bauckham, in his book, Expositional Apologetics, or Expository mm. Apologetics, excuse me, um, Expository Apologetics by Vody Bauckham, uh, he, he really gives the Christian a lot of freedom, or a lot, and he doesn't do it, but he just talks about 1 Peter 3.15 says, you always be ready to make a defense for the hope that lies within you. It doesn't say that you know what every other religion believes. The Bible doesn't say that you need to understand the viewpoint and the mindset and the psychology behind every single, right. single people group, every single type of person. We don't have to do demographic studies. You don't have to be a world religions and cult expert. Yeah. Um, that stuff is fun and interesting to learn about. But you don't have to understand every, uh, you know, how many surah are in the uh, 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 Quran, Quran. Yeah. and you know, like the roles of imams, and you don't have to understand all that to present the Christian viewpoint on yep. an issue. Um, one thing that I, I was listening to something that he said recently, and this is very interesting, because we have a a limited amount of, of knowledge to pull from, a limited amount of resources, uh, because canon is closed. The Bible is the uh, whole revelation of God. No prophet exists now that can tell me something new. Right. We have our Bibles, and it is closed. There is uh, nothing else that is going to come that's going to be new revelation. Because we have that, that's that's really helpful. Yeah. We don't have to understand the whole course of human history and the whole you know s- scope of human knowledge. Know your word yep. or know the word, and you'll know what God says about every issue. Yeah. Um, and so when someone brings up a straw man argument to say this is what you believe and this is who you're like, you are able to say, well, no, because God's word says this, and then because I've aligned with what God's Word says, yeah. because it is truth. That's what I believe. Best apologetic arguments I've heard are the ones that keep referring to God's Word. Yes. Well, how can you believe this? Or why Why on earth would you believe that? Well, God's Word says this. Yeah. It, I mean, it doesn't matter what I believe in my philosophy. Well, God says this. One so thing if he we says haven't, that, then he says it. Yeah, one thing we haven't addressed, too, is that straw men are good for getting, our, uh, uh, getting us heated and getting our emotions kind of in a tizzy because... Um, you know, you've heard so many straw men leveled against Christians and leveled against God. You know, Christians are backwoods idiots. Christians uh, want their women, chicken soup, all that good stuff, baby mm-hmm. on the hip. Uh, Christians um, deny science. Christians are just traditionalists, and they don't want to change with the world. Christians are this. Christians are that. Right. And that gets us immediately like, you know, like— Get your hackles get, up. Gets us, gets us tense, gets the hair on the back of our neck raised, and we want to fight against that. Yeah. Uh, if someone, If someone— accuses you 
uh, in a, with a straw man argument of, you know, how, or how can you worship a God who does X or, or, you know, or this or that, whatever. If you know what the Bible says about that, then you can have peace and rest that it doesn't matter what this person's like snide opinion is. If it's true, it's true. And as Christians, we, we shouldn't present, we shouldn't, you know, give ourselves mental gymnastics and give ourselves loopholes and, and logical fallacies to escape what God's word says. Yep. And so if, if it's in God's word, we believe it uh, and, and, and we trust it. And so as a Christian apologist, I always say that being a pastor is like the easiest job in the world. It's not easy job, but, but a, a Christian, I mean, know your Bible and there it is. Like you don't have to know everything else. Yeah. So I think that's a, that's a really good resource for, you know, kind of addressing straw men is this, this book. Uh, oh, I thought you were going to say the Bible. The Bible. Like, Sorry. Book recommendations, uh, the Bible. The Bible, expository apologetics, and exegetical fallacies. Yeah, um, exegetical fallacies, D.A. Carson. Don't be scared of the title. It's actually a fun read. Yeah. Um, I always recommend YouTube um, because there's a lot of resources on there. So if you want to look up, you know, we've talked about, I've talked about some debates and stuff. There's a lot of stuff on YouTube, debates between, you know, like um, atheist scholars and, and Christian scholars and and different apologists and pastors and, 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 you know, different, uh, so there's a lot of apologetic resources, a lot of, uh, debates and stuff on YouTube. If you want to watch, if you, we, maybe we can post some on the Facebook page, but, but just remember going on YouTube is kind of like, it's like eating at an Indian food restaurant. Um, there is good out there. There's also things that will hurt you. So like, be careful, um, examine what you're eating. Well, in, in everything, you know, when you read, the reason why we recommend things is so that you know that we're, we're saying that these are things that we've kind of evaluated and we think they're quote unquote safe or at least, you know, true. Helpful. Just be careful. Yep. Right on. Well, shall we close? You shall close. You shall. Oh, I shall. Well, we hope you'll join us next time. And uh, we do pray that in the meantime, your good doctrine will establish good living. <laughs>